0: Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Hello to all my listeners. We have another great show in store. Today's guest holds a bachelor's degree from the University of Texas at San Antonio, a master's degree of divinity with a concentration in Christian education, as an ordained minister with over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry, and professional training in personal finance, debt reduction, investing, and life insurance, she has gained a solid platform for bringing her passion for providing financial literacy to life. As an associate pastor, the director of a Christian education and community engagement, she has developed a financial literacy program at her church. Liberty Community Church in North Minneapolis for adults and kids, as well as an investment club for youth in the 6th through 12th grade, which aims to demystify the stock market. She is also the host of the Finance and Affirmations podcast, Elevated Voices podcast. would like to give a warm welcome to Katherine Linkford for joining the show. Thank you so much for being here today. I am honored to have you. How are you?:
1: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. The pleasure is all mine. I just want to say that I am so inspired about your passion for providing financial literacy. How did that come about?
1: You know, it kind of came about in pieces. Early on, my credit was good. I, I was doing well. And then I got in over my head in the real estate industry. And so I suffered like three, uh, actually four really big financial challenges. And so going through that process, I was uh, ashamed of the process, right? Because I've been in the mortgage industry over 20 years. And I felt like, you know, I've been around financial services long enough. I should have known better. And so because of that shame, I really didn't talk to anybody about it. I just kind of put my head down, uh, studied as much as I could to get myself out of that situation. And it wasn't until I started sharing with other people, kind of whispering like, you know, well, I had this struggle. People were like, well, me too, you know? And so there was a lot of whispering going on. Um, And I'm like, oh, well, there's other people who have dealt with this. And if I can be of help to them, I would love to do that. I think I'm a teacher at heart, and so I like if I learn something, I want to teach somebody else what I've learned and so that's kind of where that passion comes from is I don't want you to have to go through this if um you don't have to, but if you are going through it, here are some of the steps you can use to get yourself out of these situations and so that's kind of where the passion comes from, and especially too. People in the um, African-American community, none of us get, you know, really, this is across the country. Most schools don't teach you how to manage your money. They just don't teach it. And so then we, coming from a a community of color many times, the information that others have, we don't have. So we're like even that many more steps behind. And so I also want to make sure that I can empower other people. So that they, you know, whether it's just them and their own finances or for their family, so that they can have, have the freedom that I feel now, um, having gone through those challenges.
0: Absolutely. My cousins and I, we have this conversation a lot. The educational system in America, it, it doesn't teach financial wellness. So how do you get that? if it doesn't come from schooling, if it doesn't come from home, especially in the African-American community. But a wide range of ethnicities and races may not teach financial wellness. So when you face financial burdens or financial literacy, it's like, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? You know, how did I get to this point of not having the skills, not having the know-how to make effective financial decisions in my life with the financial resources that I have? And that could be the income that you're getting from working a job. It can be the child support that you receive, and it can be a lawsuit that you have won, the inheritance that you have received from a loved one that you lost, or even winning a lottery. So how do you manage that effectively?
1: Um, I would say there's a couple of things. So we absolutely in the country don't normally give a formal education unless you're, you know, in college or you're seeking that education out yourself. But one of the things that I always ask them, what was your initial financial education? Because many times we're operating out of something that happened to us that we learned and we don't even realize it. And so we have all had a financial education. It just may not have been formal. So when I say that, I'm talking about what did you learn from your family? What did you learn from your friends? What are the pieces that you've picked up? And then how does that show up for you in uh, your current uh, relationship with your money? So for me, one of the biggest things that I didn't realize until recently, I was in college living with my mom. Um, I had a job, Um, you know, me and all of my friends, we all had to work through college. We didn't have the the opportunity to just go without working. So it was either work, study or having a part-time job. So my brother and sister were out of the house, but I had come back home and my mom had lost a job. And so she was getting unemployment. And so I guess she must have miscalculated how long she was going to get that unemployment. She had not found a job yet. And so I remember one night waking up and hearing my mom just weeping and crying. And, you know, if you hear your your mom crying, you're going to want to try to help. And uh, she was crying because she didn't know how she was going to pay the bills. Right. And so for me, I found out later just, you know, um, being a minister and then just doing mindfulness work and things like that, that that actually impacted me in a way that I really didn't understand. And so the way I found that it showed up for me in my life was I am never going to be in a situation where my kids have to hear me crying about money. And so I, you know, there are times where maybe I was very rigid about, nope, I got to have this much. I got to do it this way. Um, Even in my uh, marriage with my husband and, you know, our differences in the way we were brought up there's certain levels of comfort that I have. And so if money is, um, if the checking account is not being managed a certain way or there's money going out and I don't see how it's going to come in, that makes me nervous because that triggers that thought of, oh, I'm going to have to struggle and I don't want my kids to see me struggling with money. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Not necessarily. I mean, for some people that builds character, but I just remember how I felt Having to hear my mom cry and I didn't want my kids to have to hear me cry. And so um, for me, I think it was more positive than negative because what it did is it makes me really go after making sure that all of my stuff is in order so that they don't have to experience that. If we can get the education, um, if we can really just some basic tips, sometimes just have that information exactly, then we don't have to go through some of the struggles and the hardships and the trauma because there's trauma around money too. If there's a death in the family, and as a result of that death, not only do you have to grieve the death or the loss of the person, but now you got to grieve the loss of the income. You may have to go live with other family members. You know, you remember having to pass the plate. I mean, there are so many things that can come along with money and and be traumatic for people. And so if I can help in some way anybody through one of those processes, that's what I try to do. Thank you. And that is so heartfelt
0: because a lot of people don't understand that you can experience what we consider financial trauma. And we actually experienced it. Well, some of us actually experienced it when COVID hit. You went from having two people working in your household to absolutely having zero income and how that affected paying bills, losing houses and the stress that that developed for individual families. That is a prime example of how do we turn something so devastating into something positive because for you growing up in your family, like you mentioned the experience that you witnessed with your mother and me growing up, like my mom, no matter what she did, no matter how many mistakes or adversities she faced personally, one of the things that she pushed for me is no matter what you do, Make sure all your bills are paid first. Whatever it is that you have left, put it up. And then any entertainment that you want to engage in, use that. But then also be mindful you have to be able to have that financial wellness similar to you. It wasn't until I honestly got into college and I started seeing, oh, this is what my mom was talking about. You know, although. I worked at a very young age, I wish that she also had the knowledge to say, hey, guess what? You're 16 now, you're working two jobs. You do know that there is a such thing as investment and being able to tap into that and learning more about the stock market and learning more about, you know, 401k. And again, a lot of people do not have the privilege of even experiencing
1: that. Um, That's so true. And one of the things that, you know, I always say is, you know, any financial person, hopefully, um, would be telling you that you need to um, have an emergency fund set up. And um, and so for me, my mom, she also she was one of those pay your bills. This is how this was her take. Pay your bills because you don't want anyone calling you, uh, stressing you out at home. That was back, you know, when bill collectors were calling the phone. She was like, you don't want anybody calling you, stressing you out. So just make sure that your bills are paid. That was also a good lesson as it relates to credit, because if you pay your bills on time, that's going to help um, your credit also. And, and that's what she knew. So she taught me what she knew. That's all she knew. She didn't know, you know of course, the idea of saving money, yes, but she never really made a whole lot. Um, so the saving part of it, the investing part of it, She didn't know any of that. So she couldn't teach me what she didn't know. But she absolutely did teach me about, you know, um, paying your bills on time. And so that is something that I took into college. You know, I I was there when they were passing out credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And I was able to stay away from that um, for a good time. Most of my financial challenges came um, later on when I thought I knew a little something, something, and then got in over my head, um, because I've been in the mortgage industry over 20 years. Um, I had a small mortgage brokerage, so I was running my own company and I got into real estate, but I got very overextended. And so I bought, you know, too much, uh, at one time got overextended. Mm-hmm. Then the crash happens, Right. And I lose, I do like the trifecta of what you don't want to do in the real estate industry. And that was, I had to do a foreclosure. I had to do a deed in lieu of foreclosure and I had to do a short sale. And then on top of that, I had to uh, close my business and I had to file bankruptcy. So that's actually four things that, you know, that were really major. Um, and I had just had a baby and then my husband had lost his job too, because he was in construction. And we know the housing industry just tumbled. So it was a major impact on me and it was devastating. And again, I walked around with that shame because I'm like, I should have known better than this. But but like I said, I kind of dug myself out of it with what I knew and learning Mm -hmm. more information to get myself out. And so one of the things that I can say is, you know, I started with a really high credit score. Of course, all of that tanked (laughs) my credit score. Um, But the one thing that I always mention to people is that when you're dealing with credit issues, you need time away from those negative events, right? So you start paying your bills on time, you start doing what you're supposed to do. And the more time you get away from those negative events and have the positive events there for you, then you will start digging yourself out Mm -hmm. or your credit score will begin to go up. And so I just I just applied all the stuff that I knew back in. So now I'm back to the place where my credit score is back in the 800s. But it took some time, and then and I remember you know like really being upset because there was this one credit card that I wanted to use strategically because it gave me um, a Delta miles because I like Delta, and because I had that bankruptcy on my credit that stayed you know bankruptcy stay there for ten years they wouldn't even consider me for that credit card. And I was just like, my feelings were so hurt. I'm like, wait, but I've done all I'm supposed to do. Right. But those are the things that can be affected. And 10 years is a long time, okay? It is. Um, it's a very long time. So I already knew about the emergency fund, but I didn't really have as much in there as I should have. And we made it, we got through, we struggled, all of that. But that is something that you also need to have is an emergency fund. So like when something like that happens, that's why they tell you to have three to six months of your um, monthly bills saved up so that if you do lose a job, you can have, you can still be okay for that time period. What I'm personally working toward is 12 months of income because I mean, three to six months is great. If you can do that, do that. But my goal is to get myself to at least 12 months because that just gives that. Just remember, I tell I start feeling nervous Right. if, <laughs> if I don't have certain things in place because I want to make sure that I have enough to take care of me uh, and my family. So, uh, yeah, just having an emergency fund and and really doing what you need to do to get yourself out of the situation, because what I find is many people, they will what they call stick their head in the sand. Right. Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, I just can't deal with this. No, I just can't deal with it. But I always I sometimes tell people, well, think about the posture of like if you were an ostrich and you had your head in the sand. Okay, so if your head is in the sand, you can't see anything that's going on around you. You are vulnerable to predators and anybody can just come and do pretty much whatever they want because you can't see. But once you pull your head out of the sand and just make a decision like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to this. I'm going to be intentional about how I'm spending my money. I'm going to be intentional about budgeting. When you begin to put those steps together, you really can get yourself out of a lot of financial struggles um, that you may be facing.
0: You can. And Mm -hmm. going back to the key word that you used, shame. It's like, mm. how do I ask for help? How do I admit that I have failed? You know, I'm an adult, I supposed to know better, but you only know what you know. You know, you can't learn if you don't say, hey, you know what, that's interesting. You know, let me learn about that if you put forth the effort to initiate that. And a lot of people actually go through mm-hmm. the four stages of financial wellness. Which is present security. And a lot of people live day to day, paycheck to paycheck. You have present uh-huh. freedom of choice, which is being able to have enough money to enjoy life. So I can go out and I can grab a movie. I can go out and buy a new pair of heels or a new purse. You have future security which is being able to absorb that financial shock. Like you said, I want to be able to at least have one year of finances saved to cover bills. And a lot of people don't have that. When something hit like COVID and you lose your job, a lot of people, mm-hmm. man, it hit them very hard. They couldn't absorb that shock. And then the last stage of financial wellness is the future freedom of choice which is i am in a good position where i am able to track and maintain my goals so a lot of people a they don't even know that there are stages of financial wellness and b the majority of people are actually stuck in stage 1
1: uh mm-hmm. huh And you listed stage one as um, your, your present Mm -hmm. and making sure that you have enough to pay for what you need to. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, the, the term, you know, we hear the term financial wholeness, financial wellness, and for many people that means many things, right? Right. So financial wholeness or wellness for you may be very different than what it looks like for me. right? And so what you, um, what I ask people to do is what is it that you want? What is your goal? What are you reaching toward? And then helping them get the steps or giving them the steps to get to that place. So is, you know, is your goal having $2 million in the bank or is your goal, you know what? Somebody may not even want necessarily $2 million in the bank. They just want to be able to have enough money saved for an emergency and have enough money saved to go on a trip twice a year. That's, you know what I'm saying? For them, that is wellness. And it goes in stages because, you know, you can maybe get yourself out of a circumstance like I did. I don't have the 12 months saved. I have six months saved, not the 12 months. And so it's something that I'm still actively working on. I'm actively working on that as I invest. You know, um, I tell everybody, make sure if they offer a 401k, or a 403B or something at your job, take it (laughs) and do it when you start the job because that way you never miss that money, right? If if they start taking it out right away, then it's never like, oh, two years later, you've not been having them take it out. And now they take it out and it feels like such a hit to your um, income. Go ahead and do it from the beginning. That way it just becomes um, a part of you. And so for a long time, you know, some people may be like, well, you tell me I should budget. You tell me I need to pay off debt. You tell me I should save, you know, like what order do I do (laughs) all of this stuff in? And so what I suggest is people start with budgeting first, right? And that's just the simple process of knowing what your income is, which is funny. A lot of times people don't even know how much money they uh, bring home. They may know like I make $30,000 a year, but they don't know what that actual number is monthly, right? So you got to get that number and then you subtract all of your expenses, right? Those are uh, flexible, fixed, variable, and emergency. So when you subtract all of that, then you get to what's called your discretionary income or I like to call that your what I'm working with number (laughs) (laughs) because you need to know what you're working with to be able to meet your goals. So once you get to that discretionary income or that what I'm working with number, now you have to determine, okay, so do I have enough to reach the goals that I have? For some people that number is too low, mm-hmm. and if it's just too low, then maybe you have a spending issue. But if it's low or negative, you may have an income issue and you need to work on ways to increase your income. So you've done your budget, you've got that number, Now you're like, okay, I'm going to save $10 a week or whatever. you you got that going. Um, But for some people, you may not even have enough to really do a whole lot of savings. You may only be able to save $10. -hmm. But what I uh, stress is sometimes the only saving you may be doing Mm -hmm. is in your 401k. Right. You may not have a whole lot to do outside of that. If that's what I'm working with, number, after your money comes in and you know your budget, It may be $5, it may be $10, but it's going to take some time to build that up. Mm -hmm. If you've got that 401k, you know that that's for your future self um, and you know that you're taking care of that and you're working to get this regular savings. And then there's also strategies you can use to pay down your debt. Um, Your audience probably has, you know, may have heard of the snowball method or the avalanche method of getting yourself out of debt. Um, I've used that I've used both of those methods to get myself out of debt, and so once you have all of those things working together, there's strategies about you know automating your bills, set it up on automatic bill pay so that you never forget that's good for your credit because of course thirty five percent of your credit score is paying your bills on time, and it's also you know making sure that your bills never get missed. But in addition to automatic automating your bill pay, automate your savings. Right. Exactly. So most, you know, most banks have a way for you to automatically put money from your checking to your savings account. Carve out what that amount is. If it's five dollars, if it's one hundred dollars, let that be automatic and let it go and, and don't touch it. That's a way to, you know, start saving. So I'm just trying to give out a few tips um, that I you know talk to people about. Um, And so there's all those different aspects um, of it. But first, for me, in my opinion, you start with the budget. And then once that one I work it with number starts to build up, you've got your, you know, your savings at work, you've got your own emergency fund set up, but now you have some more money that you can do then and um, you make sure that your life insurance and your health insurance and all that stuff is taken care of too but you have some more money now, now you can start, okay, so now I want to invest on my own. You know, I want to invest in the stock market, or I want to do my own this or my own that. That's kind of how I suggest people do it. Yeah, definitely.
0: Thank you so much for giving us those tips using the automatic saving option. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people keep it in their checking account And that's the money that they have. And it is so tempting to go in there because it's right there. You're like, oh, yeah, I have the extra hundred dollars, you know, to do whatever with. It's out of sight, out of mind. If I know that that money isn't there, I can't spend that money. And that principle works very well for me. And I try to use that with my nieces. Like, you know, hey, this is emergency money don't go into your savings account unless it's absolutely necessary. Just because you want a new pair of shoes, that is not an emergency. <laughs> so, you know, just being able to encourage, especially our younger generation on setting priorities because they are so impressionable with the various celebrities that, they're, that they follow and it's like, oh my gosh, the Kardashians have this new makeup line. I need it. You know, oh my gosh, Meek Mills or Kanye West came out with a new clothing line. I need to go out and buy that. But it's, are you living above uh-huh. your means? And for some of us, the answer is yes. And that goes back to financial uh-huh. literacy. Uh-huh. And if we cannot manage effectively, We cannot live effectively, which in return causes stress, but then it also contributes to magnifying mental health. Mm -hmm. So many people, again, have been affected by COVID that come into my office who said, I have depression now. I have anxiety now. I'm constantly worried. I am having issues with insomnia because I don't know when I'm going to pay my next bill and I don't even know what that's going to look like. But then I also have the opposite also come in who say, I'm on this fixed income or I have limited income and I just can't seem to make that marker. I just can't seem to set a financial goal. I remember having one particular individual come into my office. She was in tears because she mm-hmm. was always late on paying bills and she she never had enough to cover bills and so using the techniques that you shared with us today I was able to sit down with her and calculate income versus debt and we had that what I'm working with number and we started talking and she says oh well mm-hmm. I didn't know that I had that much you know left over and you know I buy you know, this and I, I go get, you know, my hair done and I go get my nails done and then I got to go get my feet done. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, all of that is great, but can we get rid of one of those things, if not two of those things? And she was able to start saving. She came in and she was like, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, I could make it out mm-hmm. of my financial line.
1: Uh mm-hmm. huh. I know sometimes we get this head thing about money and finances and it sounds so big and, right. oh my gosh, you know, like, what am I going to do? But I mean, that was a simple way. And that's pretty much what I do with the people that I work with is just walk them right. through. We need to talk about needs versus wants. So like you were saying to your nieces, a new pair of shoes may be a want. We need to talk about our needs, right? And then if, if you're in a money pinch, You may have to get down to what you call your bare bones budget, right? That's the minimum I can live off of and be okay. And so right now, you know, like if you have a surplus, you may, you know, you may not have a bare bones budget. You may be eating out certain times a week, you know, you are buying Starbucks and all this kind of stuff, but you have to really look at what is the bare bones that what I'm working with number, how can we get it to bare bones? And then we can start adding things back. Because one thing I do think that's important is that you do have self-care things that are a part of that. And so the um, your client who was doing hair and nails and feet and all of that, I think there's a place for that, but you maybe build it in. So maybe I don't get that done every two weeks. Right. Maybe I get that done, you know, every other month or right. you know, but you do need to build those things in so that it doesn't feel like it's just a chore and you're not ever having any fun. Or maybe it's bare bones for two or three months. And then you can start adding, you know, some rewards in, in addition to the finances, my podcast is called Finance and Affirmations, because I had to affirm myself through all of those things. But the other part is, is it's about your mindset, right? And getting um, yourself in the mindset of, you know, it's okay. Um, I'm supposed to pay my bills on time. I'm supposed to have extra money. I'm supposed to um, live in a way that I'm comfortable. Um, And you were talking about us living above our means. And so one of the um, affirmations that I love so much is I give myself the gift of living within my means. Exactly. I give myself the gift of living within my means because we can look and see and we're looking on Instagram and on Facebook and they got a new bag and they got a new this and we're trying to keep up with that. But for what? We're stressed. They're having to come to you. They're depressed. And it's like, you know what? And I know it seems simple, but I'm going to give myself the gift of just living within my means. Exactly. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that can create a place of joy and drop some of the stress because I'm gifting myself this peace of mind. Exactly. And you can do that in your finances as well. Finances, very, it can be very emotional. And it can be, like we talked about already, attached to trauma. But if we put a system in place like any other system, and if you work that system and take the, try to take the emotions out of it, you really can build something that's uh, that's good, right. that's meaningful, and you can give your children the gift of being able to manage their finances sooner, uh, give yourself the gift of peace of mind and knowing that you're where you're supposed to be and you're just working your plan. It's not, it's not always sexy. It's not always exciting, but you know where the excitement comes from? When five years down the road, you see the benefit of what you've done. I was talking to another person who does financial services and she said something that was so funny. She was like, okay, so in the next five years, do you want to be able to say that you're just five years older? Or do you want to be able to see the benefit of what you've been doing over these last five years financially? And most people, we're going, we're going to get the age no matter what. <laughs> that's going to come. But are we also going to have a plan that we've put in place and be able to see the fruits of our labor in the next five years? And I think that's what we need to keep in mind as well. Mm-hmm. And that reminds
0: me, it's an author. He actually shared this with me. His name is Wendell White he said, if I can change the way that you think, I can change the way that you live. And a lot of people, it's hard for them to grasp that concept because in today's society, it's instant gratification. You know, I need it now. I need it yesterday. And no, I don't want to work hard for these five years and see what the fruits of my labor is going to be, because if I work right now, I want it right now. But again, like you said, just being able to change that mindset and have a different perspective, a different outlook going back to what is your goal? And let's stay focused on that goal. Are you trying to keep up with the Joneses or are you trying to get to a point where you have financial wellness? And you have that financial security and that financial freedom of
1: choice. For sure. Um, Being able, and again, like I said, the financial wellness and the wholeness means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And so like as COVID, you know, um, we've had spikes with Delta and things of that nature. But I know a lot of people who are Mm -hmm. planning trips and want to travel and want to do some things that they didn't get a chance to do. Like I turned 50 uh, in 2020, I was planning a a birthday party for myself. Um, And then COVID came, (laughs) it just knocked it out, right? And so my family, we were like, oh, well, we need to get together. And we had said this back in 2020, that in June of 2022, we want to get together as a family. Hopefully everything will be a little calmer then and celebrate all the things that we missed together. So all the birthdays, all the graduations, all the, you know, everything that we missed. There are so many people planning trips, right? Right. But if you are, and now if you, you know, lost a job or something to COVID, that's different. You know, you're you're trying to get yourself out of that. That's a very different thing. I'm talking to the people who, you know, who have had a job, they've worked, you know, the entire time. But now it's time to take advantage of some of this, to go out, to do some things, maybe take a trip that you never would have taken. But COVID has said, you know, helped you to see, hey, life is too short. I want to go to Africa. I'm going to Africa. I want to go to Brazil. I'm going to Brazil. Are you in the financial place where you can do that now? Right? Because all of the stuff that you've been doing in the past has you where you are today. And my hope is that you've saved enough money. To where you can take advantage of some of those things, because for some, like I said, for some people, financial wellness is being able to have enough money to buy that ticket to Spain and go and have a wonderful time, and not worry about you know my work and my this and my that. Just go and have a wonderful time. Are you at the place where you can do that? Right. Do you have the plan in place to when a trip your girlfriend says and you have you know, come on, girl, let's go to such and such. Are you always the one that's like, oh, no? Now, if you're saying no because you're being focused on a budget, that's one thing. Right. But are you saying no because you just don't ever have it? Right. And it's not because you couldn't, it's just because of your plan. So, exactly. Yeah. All of those things I think are part of the whole financial wholeness and wellness. And what are you doing today? that's going to help you there. And so one of the things that I wanted to mention on my podcast, every other week, I have a segment called Finance in Five, where I just talk about a financial concept within five minutes or less. And so many of these tips that I've said, because I know sometimes people are like, oh, I can't listen to an hour podcast or 45 minutes. Um, I know you're listening to all of Elevated Voices, though. I know that already. Um, but on mine, I was like, well, this is a way for someone, if they just want to listen to five, you know, they can give it five minutes. We break down financial concepts. I give tips, um, in five minutes or less. And so it may be something that you can incorporate into what you've already done or help you to start a plan for yourself so that you can get to the financial wholeness goals that you uh, have for yourself. Exactly. And Catherine,
0: I'm going to actually take. That five minutes or less. And I want you to give any positive advice for any listeners who may be facing financial literacy or even struggling in their finances.
1: Um, The financial advice that I would have is going back to that whole uh, taking your head out of the sand. You know, sometimes people hear that as like a negative, Um, not as a negative, but just, okay, this is the situation. This is the situation that I'm in. I am now going to take control of this and get myself to where I want to be. And so my first thing is to just look at it. It takes away some of the sting or some of the uh, fear or, you know, um, just look at it. Look at what it is. It is what it is right now, right? You're where you are right now. That's the fact. Now you've looked at it. Now, what can I do to get myself out of that? And so I want you to look at it. I want you to believe that you can get out of it. And I want you to be very intentional about doing that. So if that means you have to listen to a podcast, if you know someone in your uh, community, your church, your, you know, your family, your friends that has a good, solid financial background and you can go and ask questions. You can go do your own research. If you're, you know, some people are like, I don't want nobody to know. Um, well, if, if you're still struggling with that, then go on, you know, go and do your own research. There's lots of things you can um, look up. You can go to bank websites. I mean, there's so many things you can do mm-hmm. to get yourself more financially literate. And I would say, keep trying, keep pushing. You got to first start and then keep going. It's not going to always be easy. It's not going to always be exciting. Uh, Ooh, transferring $10 from my check into my savings. Ooh, it's not going to be exciting all the time. But like they say, the analogy of if you put a bucket under a dripping um, water spout, it's drip, drip, drip. It's slow, but eventually that bucket fills up. And that's the same thing that will happen with your money. If you start where you are and you just do the drip, 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 eventually that is going to fill up and be something that can be a blessing to you and your family. And not only you, then you can turn around and teach somebody else how to do that as well. Thank you, Catherine,
0: so much for those positive words and that amazing analogy. I really love that. So if someone wants to reach out to you, know more about you, learn more about the Finance and Affirmation podcast, how can they reach you?
1: Um, Well, they can find my podcast anywhere where they get podcasts. And it's Finance, the Ampersand, Affirmations. Anywhere you get podcasts, you can also listen on Audible. Um, I have a finance ampersand affirmations uh, Facebook page. And then on Instagram, I'm finance A-N-D affirmations. Um, You can reach out in all of those places. Um, You can also send me an email if you want more information about, because I do help uh, families. Um, I will spend time with you if you need to kind of get your budget, you need um, savings strategies, you need uh, paying off debt strategies, you need those kind of things. I do um, still uh, talk with families about that. Um, so if you go to my finance and affirmations uh, Facebook page, there's a button that says services. You can click there and you can leave me an email at Katherine. At finance and affirmation, so that's the word finance, the word and, and affirmations all spelled out. dot com. I know it's long, but um, those are the ways that uh, you can reach out to me, and I'd love, love to hear from you, listeners. You
0: have heard it directly from Catherine's mouth. Do not be ashamed; it is help out there. And I just want to say thank you so much, Catherine, for being a part of the Elevated Voices podcast. Thank you. You have a good day. You too. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.